if you're a qualified fitness professional, studying to be a fitness professional, sector or industry educator, or generally have an interest in the areas of health, fitness and well-being, then this, the Active IQ podcast, is well worth tuning into. We're the leading awarding organisation for the physical activity sector, keen to explore and share topical content via discussion, conversation, debate and Q&A shows, all with great guests and industry experts. This ensures that we give you, the listener, key insights into all things related to health, exercise, nutrition, mindset and performance. So please like, share and subscribe if you find the content of interest and be sure to check out our website at www.activeiq.co.uk. So hello there, James Clack from Active IQ here and welcome along to this Active IQ podcast where today I'll be discussing the importance for fitness professionals to move beyond the role of instructing and actually look towards becoming more of a coach. And again, I'm really excited to be joined by Phil Wright on the line today. So he's a fitness professional, owner and lead coach of P13 Athlete, an online athletic community coaching program, if I believe that's correct, Phil. Um, yeah, I think I think, uh, I think that does it right. Grand. And you're also obviously a regular expert contributor to Active IQ's Skills Hub content. So welcome along. How are you doing today, Phil? I'm very well, James. I'm very well. And thank you for once again inviting me onto the call. Really excited to uh, to have a chat with you about this topic. No problem at all. Great to have you on board. So before we get started on today's topic, obviously you've, you've done um, a podcast or two and other things for us before, but just for the benefit of anybody really who this might be their first Active IQ podcast that they stumbled across, just if you could give a bit of a, a background and share a quick overview of yourself, your journey in the field of health and fitness, and um, just let people know who you are. Who I am. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, uh, I, had, I suppose like probably many people, a bit of an unconventional route into the world of fitness, but very much born on a on a passion, on a personal passion for health and fitness and helping others. Um, and that is very much at the heart of what I do. So I've been in the industry for about 13 years after um, seven years in the military. And um, in that time, started off as a personal trainer. And, uh, and that probably by accident set up a training provider focusing on, on sort of shorter CPD courses to help personal trainers niche themselves and specialize and stand out and have a diverse set of skills in order to do what they do better. Um, and then, um, had an and that, that training company went really well. Um, but throughout that very much continued as a personal trainer as well, because that's very much where my passion lies helping people. Um, and then we're given an incredible opportunity to set up and run a big training uh, facility, a personal training facility as well in Leeds, uh, which I did. And then, um, and that was such an incredible chapter. Uh, and then probably about two years ago now stepped out of that business and have very much focused my energy towards, um, again, doing bits of personal training, but, um, but content creation, a little bit of consultancy. So I've got probably a, a wide, um, and a varied set of experiences within the sector um, across a few different um, areas, I suppose. It sounds like you've had your hands full and, uh, yeah, busy guy. <laughs> 
But yeah, yeah. like I said before, it's, it's great to have you on board. Obviously, your knowledge, etc., from the sector and industry, and reflecting on your own practice. So, from from that perspective, obviously, today's podcast is about looking at becoming a coach, um, and obviously, something which you you've alluded to in terms of what you do with your own business. And what I wanted to do really was to set the scene or frame coaching. So yeah. in order to kind of kickstart this topic, I just thought it'd be worth us defining what an instructor and a coach actually are. And depending on where you look, you can come up with so many different versions of, of what those roles involve and actually do. So yeah. I kind of, in, in preparation for this, just took a look, trying to get to grips with the basics of what each of these these roles are. And, you know, you can't, you, again, like I said, you can look in many places and come up with many different answers. So I kind of went right back to basics and looked in the Ox, good old Oxford English Dictionary. And um, <laughs> just to, to kind of look at instructing, if I give you the definition, it is to tell or order, I like that <laughs> or order someone to do something typically in a formal or official way. Whereas coaching, it really makes most reference to the context of sports coaching. So mm. coaching comes across or is alluded to as someone who coaches a person or a team and helps them to become better at a particular sport. Now, no mention of any other form of coaching there, just literally focusing on sport. So in that kind of context, because it only looked at sports coaching how do we look at it in, in a contextualized way in relation to the health and fitness sector and i remember when i used to teach i know that the the term coach actually originates from the word i think it's coach if i'm pronouncing it properly other people might correct me on that but essentially that looks at moving someone from a point a to point b so it implies that there's something in there around progress, change, improvement, I would assume. Yeah. But then to go beyond that a little bit, looking at the International Coach Federation, they actually have a, a more solid definition from my perspective. So they, they say that coaching is actually partnering with clients in a thought-provoking and creative process that inspires them yeah. to maximise their personal and professional potential. Now, for me, that's a much better explanation of what coaching is. And there's some really powerful words in there, particularly creative, inspires, yeah. maximizes yeah. potential. And that's everything a coach me should be or do. But I just yeah. wondered from your perspective, you know, and your experience and the wealth of that, how how do these definitions fit in with your own perception or representation of what coaching versus instructing actually looks like if we if we kind of kick off with yeah. that? I think it's really good that we're touching upon the definition because I think everyone has a unique perspective on what coaching is, what in and what it looks like, what instructing is. And actually, just before I sort of explore my own thoughts around that, um, I, I would say that for fitness professionals to work effectively, and I'm sure we'll touch upon this again, we we almost need this ability to to flick between different styles of delivery uh, and almost become practitioners of both because yeah. it's not, it wouldn't be practical to be a coach of 100% of the time in the true sense of what coaching is, yep. and nor would it be practical um, to really incite change, empowering change and ownership if all we ever did was instruct. So I think we, we've got to be versatile in how we operate. Um, my, uh, I suppose early on in my coaching journey, and I, I would, I just want to sort of put my hand up first and foremost and say, I am not an expert coach. 
um, I've got my own experiences on that and, and hopefully my own experience can be of use to other people. Um, but I would say I'm, I'm still, I still feel like I'm a student of coaching and I, I can go a, a long way in terms of further developing myself. Um, I heard coaching defined um, where, uh, years and years ago um, on a course that I went on. Um, and in comparison to instructing, it's the difference between pushing and pulling. Um, just like your definition of, of instructing was to order someone to do something, um, instructing is very much pushing information or pushing an idea or a concept onto someone else and hoping that they're able to absorb that and, and use it in whatever way. Um, whereas coaching is defined as, or was explained as pulling. It's kind of using a specific style of question to get the solution, get the answer, um, and get the ownership from the individual. And I found that quite a useful way. And it's quite broad enough to be, for it to be practiced in all different manner of of ways and, and to be achieved differently with different types of people. But I think for me, that was quite a useful definition. And it, and it, well, it certainly stayed in the forefront of my mind, be, be, you know, since hearing it for that first time and, and sort of now having applied coaching practices and coached many different people, both professionally um, having employed people and used coaching to, to help, further develop people in a professional capacity, but also client facing and using coaching within people who are looking to, to achieve specific goals or, or push forward. So that, that was quite a useful definition and hopefully I've articulated it enough for that to make sense. But, but there was also another slightly separate <clears throat> definition or, or positioning of how coaching is. And it was more about the, where you position yourself as a coach in relation to the person you're working with or the coachee, yep. um, instructing, you're kind of standing in front of the person, the coachee, the person you're trying to, to, to instruct. Whereas as a coach, you're kind of sat by the side of them or, or perhaps even behind them, um, which I think ties in with the definition that you offered before in terms of coaching is a partnership. Um, you, you're kind of, that, that person um, who's not standing in front giving all the ideas, you know, to use sort of a rating driver analogy, you're the person in the passenger seat perhaps helping navigate the way, but you're not in control of the vehicle. You haven't got hold of the steering wheel. You, you haven't got the gear I stick. You haven't, got your foot, you haven't got your foot on the pedal, um, but you are there. You're there to be a sounding board. You're there to offer guidance and perhaps, you know, ask questions. And I think that was, again, for me, quite a useful positioning and, and not, not clear cut as a definition, but it was a useful description of coaching. And again, that, that has stuck with me as well. So I'm, I'm not sure I've answered your question with a really solid description. Um, but, but in my mind, that's kind of how I understand them, uh, understand coaching to be. I, I think they're fantastic. I, I've never thought of it before. You know, so simple, pushing and pulling. I really like that. And, and the analogy with the rally driving scenario, yeah. you don't have control of that steering wheel and anything can happen. And it is potentially yeah. out of your control and you're just there to guide, facilitate, provide the yeah. best advice, guidance that you can and hope that that driver 
puts that steering wheel in the right direction. I really, really yeah. like that. That's great. I, I think you have answered my question very fully. Yeah, well, really good, fun. good. Some good stuff. Good. I feel, uh, are we done yet? <laughs> <laughs> almost, almost. I'm, I'm joking. No, that's um, fine. No, so that, but that's very much my understanding of coaching and how it, how it differs from instructing. Because I think going back to what I said, you do need an ability to do both um, coaching and instructing and po- possibly mentoring as well. And it's, uh, you know, through experience um, and time with people, you kind of figure out a way of trying to flick between the different styles and different methods of, you know, of, of operating. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned something really interesting there about mentoring and possibly going slightly off piece, but in mm. terms of, and I guess it does lead into my next question really around how does someone, i.e. a fitness professional in our scenario, given that's nature of our business, um, how do they move from an instructing approach to a more focused coaching approach with their clients? And I guess, is mentoring something that, that fits within that process? Do you, think, do you see that as something that's really important in terms of a part of you becoming a better coach, maybe? Yeah, I, I do. I mean... Again, I, I don't think it's as clear cut to say kind of instructing starts here and stops yeah. there and then coaching starts here and stops there. I think there is there there is overlap um, and it's not quite as straightforward or black and white to say that this is mentoring, this is coaching and this is instructing. But again, in my head, mentoring is very much a relationship that's built on trust and respect and it's a long-term thing. I think coaching can be done effectively um, very, very short term, um, and, but equally long term, but, but mentoring in my mind is the kind of the glue that, that connects you with the person you're working with yeah. over, over a long term period. And it's kind of that, um, that relationship. Yeah. And yeah. It, it's you as, as the, as the facilitator, um, being able to also offer your experience. Um, and I, I think it, it can sit very nicely alongside coaching and instructing as well. Yeah. Again, going back to that mentoring element for, for us as professionals in our sector to, to get better at what we do, whether that is coaching, you know, you can get better instructing or any other aspect of your, of your skill set. The importance of, of finding mentors for yourself, I guess, as well, in terms of, you know, modeling behaviors and approaches that you see as effective or interesting and that catch your eye and, and learning from other professionals about how to develop your own practice in, in, in this case in relation to coaching. I mean have you had experience of, of people along your journey that you've kind of almost looked up to or sought guidance and assistance from in terms of developing your own coaching approach? Oh, oh absolutely. I'm glad I, you I said think... that because I just want to yeah. know is, is there can you give me like two top things maybe that, that you've learned from others in, Ooh, in relation okay. to that. I'll put you on the yeah, spot there. So, for you, sorry. No, 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 it's, it's good. So I, absolutely. I would say, first of all, I've been really fortunate and, um, and I've met and been blessed enough to have some incredible mentors. Um, and I don't mind, I don't know if you wanted me to name them at all, but um, very, <laughs> yeah, very, very early on, I was um, in my journey. Uh, I was um, I was put in touch with a guy called Rick Moylan, who um, he's got Manchester based, had, um, had a wealth of experience in personal training, and I just he was a he was a, an incredible mentor for me in the early stages. 
of, of my career, but I also was fortunate enough. Um, and there's many others. I feel harsh actually naming a few because I, I think I'm going to not name many others who've also had such a significant impact on my journey. An Academy Award Mark, speech this could turn into. Yeah, yeah. Who, who so Mark, <laughs> yeah, Mark, Mark, a chap called Mark Coles. Um, so, um, and he went on to set up a, uh, I think he runs a couple now and he does a lot of speaking as well. Um, but he runs a couple of gyms and, and he was a, a fantastic guy again with a wealth of experience. Very, very helpful. Um, in terms of top tips, so not just from the two chaps that I've mentioned, um, but I, I would say probably the best tip, first of all, um, you know, a really simple one that I think everyone can understand is that you've got two ears and one mouth and yeah. try and use use the two organs in, in sort of the proportionate ratio that we have them, i.e. as a coach, I feel... In myself, I came into this industry with a huge level of enthusiasm and I will absolutely put my hands up and, and admit that in the early days, my my enthusiasm for health and fitness bubbled over into probably talking too much at people um, mm. and through experience and time, I sort of realized this and realized that actually being a better listener and aiming more to understand the individual and to understand their perspective and where they're coming from and then start to identify limiting beliefs and why they were saying what they were saying. That, that Those things helped me massively, um, you know, become a better coach or start to become a better coach um, in that journey. So I think, I think that is absolutely one key thing. Um, you know, with the best will and intent in the world, when you're talking at people, I read a really good um, statement actually, and I don't know whether, whether this <clears throat> ties in, hopefully it does, um, but we resist what we hear, but we believe what we say. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I found that, you know, quite a, a useful thing to, to remember where, when you're in a position where you're sort of talking to people, particularly those who you're trying to help, is that, um, you know, rather than presenting them with new ideas and trying to forge them new ideas on that individual, getting them to come up with it was far more effective. Um, and therefore, listening more and asking good questions was was by far and away the best route to get there. Yeah. Um, so, so I think that that was a, a really useful tip. Um, I would say that from from those early sort of mentors and influences on my journey in a coaching context, um, I would say the the Probably the second tip was more practical things around being a PT because personally, I came into this industry um, with no experience com- in in a commercial sense at all. You know, in the military, I didn't have to sell anything, um, and and I was very um, I was very much kind of out of the wrapper and and naive in a commercial sense. So that. That a lot of their positive influence on me was really helping me around that that aspect, which yeah. perhaps didn't so much around the coaching, but um, but yeah, the the communication thing was was a real was a real big one. Um, you know, it, it, becoming a better listener um, certainly went a long way to helping me. Yeah, great, yeah, uh, and we, we'll touch on some more things. I think on on that in a minute with some other questions I've got for you. So yeah, I I really like that first one particularly drawing attention to 
two ears, one mouth, and and that ratio and proportion of you know, talk to listen, it's really really important. So yeah, should yeah. be taught far far more in my opinion. So just kind of moving on on that, and, and thanks for for sharing that. In terms of for someone that maybe you alluded to this almost different hats for different occasions, switching between instructing and and coaching as and when necessary, really, really important skill to be able to to gauge when those those two types of approaches are are required and in what proportion. How do you or what do you see are the, the benefits for a fitness professional starting to almost move towards more of this coaching based practice with their clients? using it in in the right proportion at the right times as opposed to just merely instructing what are the key benefits for them i think um <clears throat> i think a key benefit for me is that it it puts complete done well and done effectively it put complete ownership on the success or the failure of the journey into the client onto the client's hands yeah. and i don't mean that in the sense of just passing the book and if things go badly it's all the fault of the client but i mean going back to that racing car analogy, they're in complete control of the journey. Um, so again, I remember in my early days where I was, and I'll still make many mistakes and I hope that I make many more mistakes because I think those are the times when we learn the greatest. Um, but in my early days, my own enthusiasm for wanting to help people, um, you know, as a personal trainer, I saw myself and I still see myself as someone who can help offer solutions to people's problems. So if that problem is that they've, they've not, you know, got the balance right in terms of health and fitness, I can help them with that. Um, but I think in my early days, I took that ownership and that responsibility from the client and kind of said, come with me, I will help you. And I found, found that quite oppressive actually and that's a lot of weight to bear on your own shoulders. And I think that was a result of me adopting very much an instructor-style relationship with people. Mm-hmm. It was trying to fix all of the problems personally, myself as the instructor. And whereas I would say that as a coach, um, you, you are, yes, you're going to help them. Yes, you're going to help facilitate those solutions. But ultimately they have that responsibility and have that control and have that ownership over the journey. And I think it's far more empowering. It's far more effective at creating people who ultimately should be independent and self-sufficient and self-confident. And, you know, again, specifically around personal training, I, I think for me, the ultimate outcome is that you help people uh, reach a point whereby they are confident in being able to achieve or maintain or sustain a certain balance in their life by themselves and not dependent on others. Whereas I feel if all you ever did was instruct, then you are at risk of, of creating dependency. And that's a lot of pressure on you as an instructor. So I think personally, if you embed a coaching ethos and mentality into the way that you operate you offload that weight you take mm-hmm. that pressure off your own shoulders of course you are responsible for your own actions and you play a part in the journey of the client but ultimately you know to, to kind of tie it in with an analogy that i'm sure we can all understand and we're all very much familiar with you can take a horse to water but you can't make it drink you know it's not 
your job as a personal trainer or a fitness professional to to do everything for the client. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can impact that time you're with them. You can impact through various strategies, perhaps lifestyle factors that are going to affect their results, but you can't actually do it for them. And I think it's really important to employ skills that, that make sure that the client understands they're in control and, and they are in control and they have that um, ownership over it. Yeah, I don't know if whether I've I've sort of again put my point across clearly or no, sort of ex- explained it in a very Yorkshireish way, but um, <laughs> but yeah, that that I would say is for me it's a it's a key benefit because um, I, I just remember on numerous occasions in the early stages of being a PT, taking that pressure of feeling like the success or failure of this client's journey is completely on my shoulders. Yeah. Um, and um, and that's not the right way it should be at right. all. Um, yeah, I'm I'm really glad you kind of touched on that because it's something which I kind of mentioned it in a previous podcast. I think around programs which we've developed as an organisation. So I'm, I'm particularly thinking about the level four advanced PT and and the real crux or sort of origins of that qualification really came about because of this notion of accountability. In yeah. that PTs, fitness professionals should should have all of the necessary skills and tools to do their job to the best of their ability, and like you say, lead the horse to water. But yeah, th- there is this shared accountability between client and PT, coach, instructor, whatever you want to call them. But yeah. the coaching process is is really key to making sure that those boundaries expectations and lines in the sand almost are quite clearly marked so that the client yeah. knows what what part of the journey is their responsibility and what resources they require um, in order to be successful and how to get them if they don't already have them and for the pt to actually outline where their expertise their skill set their tools fit in how they can help them but they can't do it for them and to encourage them to go out of that comfort zone in order to be successful and take all of the credit and benefits of of celebrating in that success so yeah i think you've touched on something really really important there which which is fundamental to the coaching process particularly from my own perspective anyway at least yeah and i i again with what you said there i I think that's such an important thing to do it's to it's to make sure consistently when you are starting out with a new client um and with it, with every other client, it's it's laying down those expectations and being consistent with that to make sure that there's there's a real understanding that is clear, it's, it's transparent, and it, as you say, it 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 lays down exactly what the client can expect from the professional, and also what the professional expects of the client, and and it's just laying down those ground rules, yeah. um, which I think is just so helpful for for a healthy relationship to exist and and to to flourish yeah and again you know leading on from that is this is a question which I actually asked uh, tom bainbridge from btn academy in a, in a recent podcast yeah. i just wondered what what your views are in terms of how we here in the uk health fitness industry actually approach the concept of coaching do, do you feel it's something that we've embraced or whether we actually even understand the importance of it as as a fundamental process of, of a journey when working with a client how do you feel about that? Do you think this is something which we need to improve upon or we do okay at? What, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Um, I, I think, first of all, I think we've jumped on and we're very much bought into the idea of the term coach mm-hmm. because 
I see the term coach. Um, it seems to carry quite a lot of kudos compared with, say, the word instructor on someone's back. I think coach looks better. It feels better. It sounds better. Um, and it seems to carry a little bit more kudos that people are bought into. So I think we're very much in the UK buying into or bought into the concept of being a coach. Yeah. But this, in the same token, I don't think coaching practice is truly understood, um, you know, or it's a skill set that, again, I'm speaking generally, there are some incredible coaches out there. But if I was to sort of try and, you know, sort of uh, give my personal opinion on the, the quality of coaching across the entire sector within the UK, I, I think we've still got somewhere to go to actually... Um, you know, meet a or reach a standard whereby, uh, you know, I would feel confident that we are, that we have and we're able to deploy good coaching skills because coaching is, as you know, we've had previous conversations, Gems, is, is quite a new practice and within qualifications, it's, it's only really in recent times where coaching is touched upon in any serious sort of manner within qualifications. So we're using this term loosely. We've we've got a, a, a broad understanding of what it is, but actually, it's not something that every single fitness professional is fitness professional is is skilled in on mm-hmm. a professional level. So so we're kind of all deploying coaching prep skills, but differently and inconsistently. Yeah. Um, so so I think um, I, I think it's out there. You know, people like using the term. But actually, given what we've already discussed, you know, coaching is one set of tools and skills that we as fitness professionals need to be able to deploy. Yeah. But I don't know whether it's, it's kind of the right term for us to label ourselves by. Possibly. Given that, but given that actually we also need to be versatile enough to use other skills that aren't in the purest form or purest sense aren't coaching. You know, it would be... To give an example, if someone had never been into a gym environment or a fitness environment and they needed to be able to use equipment safely and effectively, coaching skills wouldn't really be the best skills to help them do that. Yeah. You know, you are, you are going to have to use some method of instructing to demonstrate, offer teaching points, you know, reinforce teaching points, etc you know, and be a teacher essentially of new things that you want that individual to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, coaching is part of our role, but it's not everything. Um, yeah. And I think that we can certainly make significant improvements to the way that we do coach when we are using coaching. Yeah, most definitely. This whole concept of, of coaching, I think we, it's quite easy for us to get caught up in the, the theory and science behind what coaching actually is. And, you know, there's so many models that reflect coaching. You've got the grow mm. model, fuel model, yeah. Oscar, things like that. And, yeah. you know, th- there's a plethora of books which are out there now as well on the topic of coaching from different perspectives, whether that's business coaching, lifestyle coaching, you know, health well-being, fitness coaching, etc. And on that kind of note, one of the books I've read recently is The Atomic Habits by James Clear. If you listen to this podcast and you haven't read it, I would highly recommend you do. And if you're interested in, you know, helping people from a coaching perspective or um, advisory perspective, changing habits, behavior change, that kind of thing. But he he talks about um, one of the key things in there is this concept of motion versus action. 
And I quite like that as a very short representation of really what coaching is in from the perspective that people will often have an idea they want to change something about themselves or um, their behaviours or their lifestyle or, or whatever it may be. But they often spend too much time contemplating the notion of change, what they need to do to change, getting all the kind of ducks in a row in order to make change happen and almost get stuck in this comfort zone, which then becomes procrastination. And they automatically maybe think or kid themselves that they are making change, but they're not because they're merely planning to do it. It's not until they actually take action and start the process that, you know, change actually happens or a new habit is, is started to be formed. And for me, that's where coaching really sits in is that we almost as coaches, we, we almost do that motion element for them and facilitate that that action part of the process so they can actually get stuck in and, and get going in order to make something happen. And it's touched upon as well in, in another book that I've read, The Start Now and Get Perfect Later, another good read. In case yeah. anybody's wondering, yeah. Bob Moore. Um, so, yeah. you know, sometimes you can have all the theory in the world and we can teach it in qualifications and everything else, which is great to have the underpinning knowledge. But until you really get out there and start doing it, it's it's kind of what impact is it actually having? Just wondered what your thoughts are around that. Is it, I guess, is it an art form? Is it a science? Yeah. Yeah. Where do you sit on um, that scale? I guess? Uh, yeah, I, I would um, I would say it kind of sits firmly in the middle of the two. Um, yeah. I, I think there is there is a science to it. There is also an art. There's a real aptitude for doing it and doing it well. And some people are far better able to do it than others. Um, I, I, I think experience significantly helps improve and really fine tune coaching skills. Um, so I think you know the, the the one of the books you mentioned there. The title probably wraps up very neatly, far more neatly than I can ever articulate. Just my my own thoughts on it. You know, start now and and perfect later. I think when planning and when sort of procrastinating, we are in a Western culture. We're we're a little bit obsessed with sort of you know structures and strategies and operate using models um and models don't get me wrong i use them they're massively helpful they're you know i'm i am too much of a scatterhead sometimes to to live without them so so they 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 serve a purpose they have a place but i think at the same time we've got to be flexible enough just to kind of work with them loosely um and the most important thing is to is to take those physical steps of applying something and worry about perfecting them at a later date rather than trying to plan and get everything perfectly set out before we actually take that initial step and get our feet wet. Um, I think, you know, that, that book, um, start now and perfect later, that's pretty much my, my thoughts on that. Uh, and I completely understand what you're talking about. Um, you know, you mentioned some books and I've, I've made some notes myself because those are firmly a, uh, they're very much high up in my to read next list, um, which is a list that doesn't exist in a written form. But but I will be hunting down those. Books they're very good. Because I, <laughs> you know, I, I really like the sound of them. But I, but I, yeah, I, I I'm totally on on board with the concept of don't worry about starting things perfectly. Um, just make a start and then and then look to improve. Um, 
you know, obviously as fitness professionals, we want people to do things as well as they possibly can. But I think small steps are, are, are far better than, than having the best plan in the world that never actually gets executed. Yeah. And I think that's the thing, the key thing to this really, isn't it, is that we obviously, there does need to be this element of planning. We need to have roadmap in place, but often you're dealing yeah. with, you're dealing with real people, real emotions, often quite raw a lot of the time. And yeah. there has to be an element of almost counseling skills to that at times, um, even though we're not counselors in that, that kind of sense, yeah. but in order to be supportive and really get that rapport and bond with, with a client so that you can go going back to the original kind of statement about what coaching was. So you can be creative with what you're doing, you know, and that you yeah. can encourage your clients to be inspired by you and, and what you're talking about and what the journey might look like for them. And in order to maximize their potential, I think it's, it's really, really key. So yeah, yeah. I think what, what you've kind of I, mentioned and discussed has been really insightful. Yeah. I, I think one of the, one of the important things that I've learned and increasingly I continue to learn is that actually coaching isn't a term that we should take lightly um, because done well, it can be life changing. Yeah. Um, you know, it can it can take people from an existence whereby they just simply feel they're incapable of of doing anything um, to to actually releasing the shackles and they become unstoppable. Yeah. Um, and I've been very fortunate to to have experienced this I, personally. I am a product in some ways of having had excellent coaching, and that has helped me on a personal level you know, tenfold, I can't, I can't sort of emphasize that. Um, and I've also been really fortunate in the, uh, you know, to have experienced being a coach and seeing that transformation firsthand. Um, and, and it was simply through a coaching process, you know, working within a structure, but really more importantly than that, understanding the individual and, and, using those coaching skills at the right time in the right way um that they were able to sort of you know respond positively to yeah. it another thing on top of that is is not rushing it let things take a natural course sometimes there's no need to just be first past the post in order to just you know hit a target it's you're better off taking your time and doing things in the right sequence or not making the client feel like everything has to be done now I think that's really, really key from my experience working with, with clients over the years. It's yeah. about being realistic about the, the time frame expectations. Um, again, that just another thing from that book um, by James Clear, there's a, a really good chart in there which talks about client expectations and then this kind of gap between that and what really happens. And it, <laughs> I can't remember the name of it now. I think it's called the valley of something. It's quite um, dramatic, but it really explains that keeping everything realistic and being truthful about how long things will take based on the resources that the client has at their disposal and the current state that the or position that they find themselves in. So yeah, very, very good. Yeah. All right. I definitely look forward to reading that book. Yeah. Highly recommend it. As I said before.
So we've, we've been going for about 40 minutes, I think now. So probably time wow. to start wrapping it up. <laughs> time flies. So yeah. just to, to finish up then, I just wondered if you could summarize, if you were to give some of your top tips or pieces of advice mm. to either up and coming instructors, fitness professionals, PTs, or anybody who's kind of seasoned in the industry in terms of coaching and how to effectively use it, implement it um, and work with clients. Do you have a, a list of things yeah. that you might want to share? Yeah, I can, I, I hope I can you know, hopefully these points will be quite helpful. Um, I, you know, these are just a few of the things that have, that have helped me. Some have come through experience. Some I've managed to pick off, pick up over the years of just meeting different people and people who've got far better expertise and, and experience in coaching. I would say the first thing is about timing um, and learning when and when not to use coaching with a client. You know, for instance, if you've never met someone before and all of a sudden you hit them with some deep and meaningful coaching style questions, they actually might be quite resistant to answering those honestly and, and openly. Um, so I think you, you, you have to know when, um, when to use them effectively. And, and what I've found is that calibrating the individual first um, and getting to know them a little bit, uh, you know, is very helpful in then being able to use coaching. So choose your timing um, and, and consider that rather than, as you said, rushing in and just, you know, go, going for it. Um, because there's nothing stopping you asking coaching style questions at any particular time, but there are many things that are going to stop them, uh, stop the individual answering them honestly and openly. So I think timing is the first thing. Um, secondly, um, I aim to take away the shackles. So this kind of links with timing, but also, um, you know, you want to, what I mean by that is try and remove self-limiting beliefs. You know, if people genuinely believe that they are incapable of certain things, then how can they possibly set some goals, ambitious goals, if they don't believe they're capable of achieving them. Yep. So I think, you know, trying to unpick these shackles and ask questions like, for example, if nothing was holding you back, what would be your ultimate health and fitness goal? You know, asking a question like that, rather than just saying, oh, what's your goal? Yeah. <laughs> what do you want to achieve? Because that kind of is, um, you know, they're, they're just that kind of assumes that they're capable of, of, of picking a goal out that they feel is, is within their grasp. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you kind of use a, a question that sort of just a little bit tries to claw away anything that's kind of weighing them down, yeah. um, that's going to be far more effectively, uh, far more effective. Sorry. Um, so that's two things. Um, I know, I know we're short on time, so I'm going to try and go through these quite quickly. Um, I would uh, perhaps demand is too strong a word, but, but at the same token, it's really important. So, so in my scribbles, I've written demand honesty and learning from mistakes. Um, you know, coaching can be particularly effective within that goal setting process, but also on a continual basis because life, life changes, you know, what's important one week may not be important the next week. Um, and it's our job as coaches to both challenge people and encourage them to learn from themselves. Yep. So, 
asking, you know, on a continual basis, not be, you know, not necessarily turning every single session into a coaching session, but just at the end of the session or the beginning, just saying, you know, um, uh, what, what's gone well this week, uh, what, what hasn't gone well so well, what are you going to do differently next time? Uh, I think those types of questions are really important. Um, so yeah, getting, encouraging people to be honest, you know, rather than just, ignoring things or ignoring problems or things that aren't going quite so well and just facing them on a continual basis and using that coaching to, to just tackle things because I don't, I've not got one experience in my life where a plan has completely gone to the T, you know, something always crops up that you can't, you know, sort of uh, anticipate beforehand and and it's important to overcome things quickly so they don't manifest and become bigger bigger problems or bigger issues. Sure. Um, and then and then finally, which I think ties in with one of the things you you said, um, James, is if give your client time and space. Um, you know, I, as I mentioned, I, I think coaching can be particularly effective during the goal setting process or the kind of the objective setting. Um, some people may be very capable of doing a goal setting session uh, and a, a very good goal setting session quite quickly in mm-hmm. a short space of time. Other people may need a little bit more reflective time to be able to kind of allow their own thoughts to, to digest and settle in and reflect upon them. And actually goal setting can could could take place over a period of days or even weeks. So, mm-hmm. so I think as coaches, again, what we shouldn't be Back, uh, thinking or sort of tying ourselves to is that goal setting has to be done in, in a single session and then we're going to go straight into the program. Actually, give give each person time and space, you know, uh, appropriately to them as an individual. And if, if a client can do goal setting rapidly, brilliant, amazing. Um, it, even so, it's probably still worth reflecting upon that because things can change along the way. Um, but other people might just need a little bit more time in order to actually set those goals um, and for them to be effective. Yeah. Yeah. I, that last point for, for me is really important in terms of goal setting in that often, you know, it is, it is rushed or maybe not explored fully. And for me, a fundamental part of, of goal setting is the strategizing around, okay, how, how are we going to do this? What are the, like I've mentioned before, the resources or tools that you do have at your disposal now. What is the current state that you're in, whether that's, you know, physiologically, medically, health, whatever, nutritionally, whatever that might be. So you've got that, yeah. that kind of start point. And then there's a whole plethora of things which need to be explored to get a really sound picture or understanding of where the client is at and where they've got to go to and how long is that going to take? What's the, the process going to be? So that strategizing that sits beneath goal setting is really, really fundamental. And, and, and as you alluded to, you know, if you can do it quickly, great. But I would probably challenge that it's maybe not done in the best way or the most productive way. So definitely yeah. worth thinking and, about. Um, and one one thing as, as perhaps a, um, a signpost that I could offer people, and there are many others, I'm going to just mention one Um very much because it personally helped me significantly as a coach improve my ability to communicate effectively. Um, but I would definitely look it up if it's something that you've not stumbled across before. But 
have a look at something like neuro-linguistic programming. I was just about to say that. NLP. (laughs) Because, yeah, so so quite early on, probably a couple of years after stepping into the fitness industry, I jumped on a practitioner course um, for NLP, neuro-linguistic programming, and I just found it incredible. Um, Having, I, I didn't really mention, but having been an interpreter with a foreign language, so Arabic, in a previous life, um, communication was has been an important part of what I've done for, for a long time. And I've picked up various bits, but having a look at NLP was particularly effective because it just put me in touch with starting to really understand communication, you know, on a wider scale, an ability to draw more information from working with people and therefore being able to present information back to them in a more meaningful manner. You know, I, I, and I don't want to go sort of too technical into terminology that perhaps wouldn't make sense with people maybe not having stumbled across or looked into NLP before, but things like what are termed meta profiles. Yep. So you start, you can start to learn different trends or behaviors or habits of people. Um, and if you can sort of understand that, then you can adapt your style to present that back to them and ultimately they're better able to digest it. You can change your language to reflect the, the, the language that your clients are using. And again, they, they just, you know, so I think these are all tools that can be added on, but I would absolutely recommend if you're listening to this and wanting to develop yourself as a coach, NLP, if you haven't looked into it before, maybe something and a set of tools that can significantly help you. I, I would completely echo that. And I was going to say exactly the same thing because I didn't know that about you, Phil. I, I also yeah. have done um, <laughs> NLP practitioner, master practitioner courses over the years. And I would say it's probably the most valuable um, learning experience I've ever had. And I totally yeah. agree with you in terms of totally changed how I approach situations with clients and how you look at it and from their perspective, but also getting them to look at it from their own perspective when they thought they'd already explored everything there was to know about the position that they currently find themselves in and just getting them to take that step back and, and be a bit more objective about their own current position. So yeah, a huge amount of tools in a, in a NLP practitioner's toolkit and I would get out there and and have a look at it in books in the first place and you know, YouTube, those kind of things, great place to start. But if you're really interested, get yourself on a course because there's nothing like immersing yourself in it. uh, Absolutely. And I think what it did do for me personally, and I'm, I'm, I know for certain it did it did the same for a lot of other people and perhaps yourself, James, is you learn a lot about yourself, yeah. um, you know, <laughs> um, and actually it can be incredibly revealing um, for yourself. And that personal journey is just so helpful in being able to coach and communicate with other people as well. Yep. That's great to know. We'll have to have a chat about that offline of this uh, podcast, Bill. (laughs) Absolutely. Brilliant stuff. All right. Well, I've kept you for for long enough, I think, today. Um, So just really to to wrap this up and say once again, thank you for for your time. It's been really great chatting to you about this topic. And again, this is just kind of scratching the surface. So we'll we'll look at some other podcasts, which will go into more detail on some of the, the elements discussed here, no doubt. 
So like I said, thanks for your time, Phil. And if you are listening to this podcast and you want us to cover something particularly or something has has stood out from this podcast, then do leave some comments for us and and we'll definitely look at them and try and produce more content that that meets your your needs and wants, etc. So make some comments, give us some feedback and and drive and shape this this podcast series for us. That'd be really useful. So thanks for your time, Phil. I'll let you go and um, have a great rest of your day. An absolute pleasure. Thanks for inviting me on, Jim. No problem. Take care.